Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And the word of God reads as follows. says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men to determine from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Amen. I want to preach from this pericope of scripture this morning, from this thought, how to worship. How to worship. As we come down to the end of this year, we come down and prepare to do one or two things. Either some of you are going to join us here on the 31st at 9 o'clock with the intentions of preaching, praying, singing the new year in. Some, on the other hand, are going to make their way to the finest of New Year's Eve parties with your choice of drinks, with your costumes of Happy New Year. At any rate, the intention is to bring in the new year with a glorious bang. And it always happened, Cameron, that after the new year, after you've had your black-eyed peas, and after you've had your collard greens and your cornbread, and after you've had your all of your New Year's Day festivities, you make, some of you will make New Year's resolutions or resolves. Some of you will make promises of what you're going to resolve to change in the new year. You, you will say stuff like, I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to spend more time reading my Bible. 
I'm going to take up a craft. You will make resolutions. I'm going to lose. You fill in the blank. We'll make resolutions. But then Fred, on top of making resolutions, on top of churning into a new year, on top of moving into a new decade, many folks will flock borders and Barnes and Nobles for the, the, the number one best sellers in self-help. They will look for books on how to, how to diet, how to drive, how to be a, you fill in the blank. All the how-tos that are out there. As I read the text this morning, I, I see a how-to that you may not find on the bookstore shelf. So before you go and, and, and take part in those, I, I would, uh, that you would allow me to, to give you this how-to, how to worship. Because if we're going to do anything in the new decade, if, if we're going to learn to do anything in the new year, we, we need to learn how to worship. And we need to learn not just how to worship, but we need to learn who to worship. And once we learn the how and the who, and uh, we'll understand that worship brings about change in our lives. This text is tailored to teach us. If you'll just read the story and open your mind's eye, you'll see it more than just a visit to a young child. But you see God giving us specific instructions on how we ought to come upon the Christ child. Uh, you, you know the text. Many of you have read it. Many of you have driven by nativity scenes. You've seen uh, the image of three wise men standing at uh, the cradle of a newborn Savior. Uh, but I stopped by to let you know that that's wrong and very wrong. Because if you read the text, uh, if you, you read the text, you find out that Jesus had only a group of few, few visitors that visited him when he was an infant, when he was a baby in a manger. And, and the Bible will tell you, Tracy, that those were the shepherds that were abiding in the field. The Bible says that the shepherds that were abiding in the fields, the, the angels began to sing, heavens open up, and they went to Bethlehem to see this sight. And when they got there, the Bible says that they saw this newborn baby laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they begin to tell the story of how they got there. In their own way, Marsha, they begin to worship this newborn baby. Uh, but when we read our text today and we look at the nativity scenes, uh, we get things mixed up. Uh, because the truth of the matter, uh, Jesus was not a baby when the Magi got there. We see the three wise men standing in a nativity scene and I, and I always like preaching this because every time I drive by one Randall I, I feel like pulling over and, and picking up them people's wise men and carrying them off to the edge of the yard because the truth of the matter is on the night that Jesus was born the shepherds were the only visitors but also on that night that he was born over in the west over in the east there, there rather there was a star that appeared good God of mine a star began to begin to glow bright in the midnight sky and the magis in that land who had been who been gifted in astrology had made their mind up that there was something unique about this star they begin to read the, the history and the manuscript and find out that there a say 
Asia, the king of kings was being born in Bethlehem of Judea. They made their mind up, D, that we're going to go see this thing for ourselves. Now, if you're taking points today, here's your first point. You ought not just rest upon what somebody else done told you about Jesus. There ought to be something about your life that makes you want to go and see it for yourself. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some of y'all been living on mama's and big mama's prayers for far too long. It's time that you learn how to pray yourself. The Bible says it like this uh, to train up a child uh, in a way that he or she should go that means teach them how to pray uh, teach them how to read the bible for themselves teach them how to lay before God teach them that that trust in God uh, and when they are old uh, they will not depart from it what does that mean preacher that means that they're going to go through some stuff can I preach this the way I felt like teaching it this morning they're going to have to go through some stuff in life uh, but it's the stuff in life that taught us how to pray I wish I had about five of y'all that remembered how to pray when you were catching hell on your first job when you were struggling in your first college classroom and you remember that mama said that God is an answer God that I answer a prayer he's an on time God can I get about nine of y'all just to testify and holler back at your boy and say I tried him for myself and I know that he's alright is there anybody that I testified that, that I might not believe what mama said until I got out on my own and I had to try him for myself and baby can't nobody beat you and talking about how good God is you remember how he got you home how he brought you out how he fixed you how he saved you how he healed you it was nobody they made they made their mind up let us go see this thing for ourselves is, it, is, is there a few of y'all here that made your mind up a long time ago that you weren't going to just rest on what somebody else said about Jesus? You made your mind up. You were going to try them for yourself. I don't know what, it, what brought you there. Maybe you had more bills than money. Maybe you got sick and could not get well. Maybe you was in a terrible relationship. But whatever the case may be, you made your mind up. That can't nobody help you but the God that Big Mama talked about and Dad has sung about. Can't nobody help you but Jesus. They saw evidence and they made their mind up that we're going to see. God, boy, I feel like preaching. I'm going to get through this thing. They, they saw evidence. Oh, God. They, 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 they saw some evidence that what was being said was real. You, do you know what evidence is? Evidence, evidence is proof of something that was said before you had an opportunity to really see it. They saw the star and heard that the star had meaning. And they said, let us go see this thing for ourselves. And what I like about it is uh, they made the mind up that I can't go empty-handed. Oh, that's a whole nother sermon. They said, Let, let's go see this thing for ourselves, Randall, but let's take something with us. And, and, and can I burst your bubbles real quick? Stop thinking that it was just three. I, I know, I know. I know we sang that song, We Three Kings. I, I know, I know we say the three wise men. Uh, but, but the reason we do that is because there were three gifts present. Truthfully and honestly, that was at least probably over 50, closer to 100 that were moving to see, oh God, what the star really meant. The 
the Bible says that, that they traveled and they arrived in Israel. They get to Israel and Herod is king. Uh, uh, now, now, now understand that Herod was not just any king. I, I'm really trying to get to my sermon, but, but y'all not shouting right. Herod was not just any king. Herod was a puppet king. Herod was somebody uh, that was in the right place at the right time. Herod, Herod was King Randall because they could not find anybody else that would do it then. Uh, but when they placed him in the chair, good God Almighty, something happened to his head. Y- y'all know what happened. I wish I... Y- y'all know what happened when folk get stuff that they, they really should not have got. Y- y'all know what happened to their head. Oh, oh. Yeah, y'all know they just kind of show up and they get the position, they get elevated to the title. They they didn't know nobody, nobody knew them, and all of a sudden their head starts swelling. Can't even come through the door. Harrod head get big and he's king. Makes his mind up that puppet king or not, I'm in charge here. The Bible says, in come the magi. They say to King Herod, where? We, we come to see. Where is the one that was born king of the Jews? Now, now we read this, Marsha. We, we read this. Uh, uh, we read this, Sherry. We, we read this, but we miss uh, uh, the, the, the tightness of it. They, they come to the king who's sitting on the throne. And they ask the king. They ask the king who's sitting on the throne. Where the king at? um, I'm trying to get you to understand how they just ruined this brother's day. Because up until now, he figured that he the king. But they wanted to know where the real king was at. Can can I help about nine of y'all? Please don't think that you more than you really are. Please, please, please don't think that you got that job by yourself. Please don't think that. Please don't think it's your credit that got that car or that house. There really is a king that's sitting. On the throne. Where is the one? Where is the one? Where is the one? Destined to be king. Of Israel. Herod played it off. Y'all know how we do. Some of us are good in the art of playing stuff off. Mad as the day is long, but you'll smile. Done ruined your whole day, but you'll, you, you, you'll muster up a smile. That, that, that's those of you that done, that's mature. Y'all have must up a smile. Some of y'all ain't mature. You just let it, it just show up on your face. 
some of y'all real babies, it don't, it don't, it go past your face. It come out your mouth. Herod plays it off. He said, go find him. Sometime, let me get my towel. Sometime, sometime, for later, I asked me, she said, you want to go see, uh, you want to go see UB40 play? <laughs> you you want to go, go to the Duran Duran concert? <laughs> Cass, I'll play it off. I said, yeah, I, you know, I was, just, I was just wondering if we could go see that. <laughs> I was going to ask you. <laughs> Harris says, I want to worship him. Two. When you find him, bring word back to me because I was just sitting here wondering where he was also. My replacement. And the Bible says that, that when they got this word from Herod, they leave that place. That's where I want to pick up on our text today. The, the Bible says that they leave when they, when they heard the king, they departed and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them again. Can, can, I, can I just stop and parenthetically put this in? The Bible makes no mention, notice, of the star while they're standing in a dark place. While they're standing before the evil King Herod, the Bible makes no mention of them seeing the light. It was only after they left Herod that they see the star again. What that tells me is that sometimes you can't see God moving because you're in the wrong place. Sometimes you cannot see God moving in your life. It's because you done hung around the same, the, the wrong jokers for too long. Some, sometimes, uh, sometimes it seems dormant, but God is still there. He's just waiting for you to move out just a little while so you can get things back in focus. A after, after they depart, behold, the star which they had seen in the east goes before them till it comes and stands over, the, over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. How to worship. We, 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 we read a lot of how-to self-help books, but we need to understand how we ought to worship. I got three points, and then I'm going to leave it alone. The first point is this, how, how to worship. The first point is worship has to be intentional. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God, somebody need to write that down somewhere. Worship has to be intentional. In other words, you can't just get up in the morning and say, I guess I'll go. You got to go to bed at night saying that when I get up in the morning, I'm going to go. Come hell or high water, I'm going to go. 
No matter what roadblocks fall in my way, I'm going to go. No matter what try to stop me or block me, I'm going to go. See, worship has to be intentional. Watch this. Can I help about a hundred of y'all real quick? Intentional worship is not what you do because it's Sunday. Oh my God. Wait a minute, preacher. That was, that was habitual. That was habit forming. That was something that was taught you as a child. You learned that Sunday means that you go to worship. But the truth of the matter is, uh, intentional worship means uh, that when Sunday comes, uh, you already had a worship on your mind. As a matter of fact, uh, when Sunday closes its eyes, uh, you're already looking forward to the next opportunity to tell God thank you. Uh, worship has to be intentional. Yeah, clap now because you ain't going to like this. And you can't let nothing deter your worship. Oh, 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 pastor, I was supposed to be off this weekend, but they called me in. So I'm a, God know my heart. The Bible says that they were in the east and they traveled from the east to the west day in and day out with one thing on their mind through dangers seen and unseen their desire was to see Jesus see when your desire oh God is to see Jesus in every one of your situations you won't let anything deter your worship who am I preaching to in here that got more bills than they got money, that got less friends than they got foes? When you done made up your mind that I come to worship, you won't let the fact that all of that stuff is going on deter your worship. You'll make your way anyway. Do I have about seven folk that'll make their way anyway? No matter what you say, no matter what got broken, no matter how much I need or how much I lost, I'm going to make my way anyway. No matter how sick I feel or no matter how broke I am, I'm going to make my way anyway. No matter how close to death I was or how close to loss I've been, I'm going to make my way anyway. I I come to worship. This type of intentional worship looks like this. I know people. It looks like this. I know people worse off than you. That were in the hospital bed on Friday and Saturday. Got out the hospital on Saturday. Got up this morning and made their way to worship. They didn't say God understands my heart. He knows I was in the hospital bed. I got news for you, baby. The same God that you prayed to while you were laying on your back in the hospital bed is the same God that you ought to get up and come make homage to. It was intentional. Boy, I could stay here all day, but I got to go. It's amazing to me. I got one more. It's amazing to me how we justify foolishness. 
We say stuff like God is my all in all, but we let everything get in the way of your all in all. We, we got to get to the point, Pam, to where we say, no, you're not going to block. Can, can I help y'all? The, 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 the little uh, detours that happen that come and interrupt your worship, they are tests. They're tests. God is trying to see what you're going to do. Are you going to obey God or are you going to look for mammon? They are tests. I remember one time I was preaching down in Conyers, Georgia at my uncle's church. Pulled up on the road. We were doing a, a, a revival that night. Pulled into the parking lot. And as soon as I put my car in park, every light in the street went on. I should have put it back in drive see it come back on. But put in park, all the lights went out. And after a while, the people started pouring out of the church. And my uncle came to me, Ramona. He said, he said something hit the transformer. And the lights went out. He said, I called Georgia Power. They're on the way, but it's going to take them a good hour or two to be here. Do you want to postpone the revival? I said to my uncle, we here now. I don't need lights to preach. I serve a God who is a light of the world. So he shrugged his shoulders and said, well, come on in. They opened up all the doors and people turned their car lights on. Put candles around the sanctuary. I read my little Sunday school lesson and preached until I got happy. Got finished preaching and opened up the doors of the church all in the darkness and candlelight. As soon as I said the doors of the church opened, every light in the building came on and the Holy Ghost told me that it was just a test. I want to see if you were serious about this thing. I want to see if you can find excuses not to worship. I stopped by to tell you that how we ought to worship is it has to be intentional. Anybody can come up with an excuse, but your excuses are your test. But God is trying to give you a testimony that you can say that when the test of life arose in my life, trying to trip up my worship, I stood the test of times and I still worship God. The Bible said they traveled from afar intentionally. Second point, the second point. Second point, first point, worship has to, has to be intentional. Oh, I got some more notes under there. Hold on. No, I move on. Second point, worship starts with rejoicing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Can I help y'all real good? It don't matter what you done been through. When you pull up on the church parking lot or when you pull up at your place of worship, you ought to do it with joy in your heart because I found out that this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. 
You got to start your worship by rejoicing. You got to think about how good God has been. Is there anybody here that will celebrate how good God has been? Is there anybody I feel like shouting that will celebrate the goodness of the Lord and just have joy in your heart? Can you think about how good God has been? That's past joy. But when I think about the goodness of the Lord and all he's done for me, our soul cries out. Is there anybody that can think about how good he has been? But don't shout and stop there. Now shout over how good he can be. If he been that good, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard just how good this let me help you y'all ain't acting right let me help you this is what worship this is what rejoicing looks like when you leave here today and you get your plate at the golden corral our journey's in or Longhorns or wherever you go and you put it down in front of you and you bow your head you have not even tasted the food yet but you say God I thank you for what I am about to receive that's what rejoicing is he ain't even did it yet but you know if he did it before he gonna do it again and this time gonna be greater Chris Chris the Bible says that when they saw the joy, when they saw the star they rejoiced they hadn't even seen the child yet. They just knew <laughs> that if the star was still there, there was still hope. I wish I had about a hundred of y'all that know that as long as Jesus is sitting on the throne, there's still hope. There's hope your finances shall be restored. There's hope your relationships shall be restored. There's hope that your children shall get right. As long as Jesus is still sitting on the throne, you ought to rejoice. They traveled from afar. They traveled from the far. They ran into obstacles. They dealt with Herod. But they did not allow that to deter their intentions they wanted to worship the newborn king and when they saw the star hadn't seen the child yet just something about the star something about the past blessing caused them to shout over the impending blessing can you shout over something you ain't got yet I mean can you really can I'm trying to help by nine of y'all can you rejoice over something that hasn't happened yet? 
You just believe that it's going to take place. Can I mean, don't fool me. Can you can you tell? Can you begin to give God a crazy kind of praise over something that has not even happened yet? Can you can you thank God for your breakthrough even though you're still in it? Can you rejoice over being financially free? what you need God to do and just begin to tell him thank you for stuff he ain't even done yet you want you want a promotion go on and tell him thank you for the promotion you want a raise go on and tell him go on and rejoice for the raise you want your marriage back go on and rejoice you want your child to be saved go on and rejoice Somebody wants something, you're gonna get it. Come, come on, come on, come on. Somebody, somebody wants something, you're gonna get it. Come on, come on, go on and rejoice. Go on and tell them thank you. Come on, you want your peace back. Go on and tell, go on and rejoice. Come on, you want your you want your love back. Go on and rejoice. Somebody wants something, go on it. You're gonna get it. They saw the star. They saw the star. saw the star and they rejoiced here's my third point I'm done here's my third point first first point worship has to be what second point worship starts with what here's the last one here's the last one. I'm done worship true worship begins when you see the child true worship begins when you when you recognize him for who he is. Oh man, I, I so wish I could preach this the way I feel. True worship begins when you recognize what mama was trying to say. When you see him for yourself. What they had heard is what drove them to the place. But I submit to you that when they got to where they were going, it was more than what they bargained for. The text, Correa, the text doesn't say that the child did anything spectacular. They was just in his presence. And as it was in his presence, they felt something come over them. They felt the weight upon their shoulder. And the Bible said they bowed down before him. 
Y'all, y'all ain't got this. Y'all, uh, uh, y'all gonna have to read this again. Y'all gonna have to buy the CD. These wise men, these magi, who were kings in their own country. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't acting right. I'm going to go find somebody. I'm going to go find somebody else to preach this to. Y'all ain't gonna... I, I love, I love watching, uh, I guess they're medieval type series and stuff. That's how I got into the game, game of Thrones and all of these king here and king there. One thing I've learned is that kings don't bow. King, kings don't, don't bow to other kings. If you notice, where my, where my Christmas play folk at? Fred, if you notice that when these magi who are kings even come in the presence of Herod, they do not bow. Oh, God. Ah! But when they get to the house, where the child was, he's no longer a baby, he's a child now. And when they get to the house and they see the child, kings that don't bow, bow down and lay prostrate. Because they recognized who it was that was in the presence of. See, in order to worship, you got to recognize him for who he really is. And you can, you can tell me, you can tell me, you can tell me all day that I recognize him. I, I believe he's who, I believe he's Lord, he's my Lord. He, I, you can tell me that all day. But there's evidence in the text that they recognize who he was. Because, see, when you, when you go before the king of kings and the lord of lords, you don't go empty-handed. It's in the text. You show you recognize him for who he is. The Bible said they, he, they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and they're not just any type of gifts because they could have brought silver they, they could have brought they could have brought pearls and, and diamonds but they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh because they recognized who it was these items had symbolic meaning gold was a gift for a king so when they realized that they were going to see the king of kings and the lord of lords, they brought a gift fitting for a king. They didn't bring what's left over of their paycheck, I mean their offering. They brought the best of their gifts. They, they didn't bring... They didn't bring what was left over after them went out and spent their money. I mean, you know, they, they brought the best. Gold. Give fitting 
for a king. Second item that they brought that proves that they knew who it was. They brought frankincense. Frankincense was an ointment or a resin that was used in worship, in the sacrifice, in the temple. It was used in the presence of deity. Oh God. They brought the gift that represents deity. Oh God. You don't bring frankincense to a child. Child would not know what to do with it. But you got to realize this is not just any. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. He shall be called wonderful. From his birth, counselor. From his mother's womb, mighty God. From the cradle, prince of peace. Everlasting father. They brought frankincense because they realized that we're standing in the presence of deity. It would do us some good that when we get up on Sunday morning, Wednesday, whenever it is you go to church, to realize that when you come into the house of worship, you're not just standing in the presence of the preacher and the deacons, but you're standing in the presence of the king. Last gift they brought him, and I'm done. The Bible says they brought myrrh. Myrrh is another resin ointment taken from tree sap that is used in the anointing and the mummification of the deceased. They got it. They travel all this distance to bring this baby some embalming fluid. Out of all of the stuff they could have brought, a gift fitting for a king, a gift fitting for deity, but then a gift fitting for one who dies. Because they realize that in order to save his people, he would have to be the sacrificed lamb of the world. And so they bowed their heads before him and realized that even the crown on my head. It's not because of me, but because of him. It would do some folks some good to realize that your title outside of the house of God is only useful out there. But in his presence, you're standing in the presence of deity. How to worship. It has to be intentional. It starts with rejoicing. It starts with recognizing who he is and then the last thing and I'm done the last thing after you worship you all not go home the same way you all not come in a hellraiser and leave a hellraiser you ought to at least make it through one day you ought not come in a ditch dig and leave a ditch dig, a gossiper, and leave a gossiper. They went home a different way. 
they went home a different way physically. Now, some of y'all sitting there, you, you're, you're too closed-minded because you're thinking that that means they went home a different direction. Yeah, they did go home a different direction, but I got to believe they went home with a different mindset also. See, how to worship. If you worship right, oh God. If you worship right, if you do it intentionally, if you do it with rejoicing, if you do it recognizing who he is, it'll change how you go home. You can't go home the same way. It's too dangerous to go home the same way. When Moses came down off the mountain, he didn't look like he looked when he went up there. His face was aglow. You ought to go home differently. How to worship. We worship him by, by knowing the end of the story. We celebrate the beginning. But we also relish the fact that we know the end. We know how he hung on a cross from the sixth to the ninth hour. We, we know how he dropped his head between the locks of his shoulders and how he died. We know how they took him down and put him in a barber tomb. We, we know how he stayed all night Friday night and all night Saturday and all day Saturday, but early Sunday morning, we know and believe that he didn't stay dead. He got up with all power in his hand. And listen, y'all, because he got up, we can get up. Because he lives, we can live. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know who holds my future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. There may be somebody here today struggling with your worship. Bible is so true, it's so real today. Thou will confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead thou shall be saved. Remember the first point, the first step in worshiping is intentionalism. You got to be intentional about this thing. You got to make your mind up. God has already done the hard work. But you got to make your mind up that this is what I want. I, I need him in my life. I need him as Lord and Savior. I need him as head of my life. And, and the way to obtain that is to accept his son. To accept the fact that Jesus died. To believe that he was buried. To believe that he got up early Sunday morning. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything about being able to explain it. But you got to believe it. If you're here and you're unsaved, we invite you to come. The doors of the church are open. Won't you please stand? Won't you please come? The doors of the church open. Maybe you're already saved.